The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Welcome to Talking Mopars, episode number 145. I know quite a few of you guys have been clamoring for the old format, so I thought we'd do an old format episode today with Project Car of the Week high-performance parts, listener stories. And then, you know, in light of Dodge's Neverlift program and their announcement of some of the things going on with Direct Connection and uh, the carbon fiber cars they're coming out with, and then, of course, you know, the elephant in the room, or lack thereof, the e-muscle car. I thought I'd talk about my feelings towards that a little bit and then uh, give you guys an update, or a plan rather, that I have for my new 1972 Roadrunner that I traded the Mr. Norm truck for. So, without further ado, if you are a Mopar enthusiast, then you are in the right place. Don't go anywhere. You're tuned into the best Mopar enthusiast-driven podcast on planet Earth, and I am your host, Chris Albrecht, better known as the Mopar Hunter, and this is Talking Mopars. You're listening to Talking Mopars with the Mopar Hunter, your direct connection to all things Mopar. Before we get into the meat and potatoes of this episode, I have to ask you guys a question. Is your Mopar protected? Whether it's sitting outside in the elements or inside the safe confines of your man cave, it's important to keep your Mopar protected. That's why I'm excited to announce that I'm now affiliated with a company offering an amazing solution for vehicle protection. They have everything from basic indoor shields all the way up to the top of the line platinum shields offering the very best protection to keep your Mopar safe, both indoors and outdoors, from elements like dust, water, snow, and yes, even UV rays. Their products are guaranteed to fit and are backed by a great warranty. To find out more about my new affiliate, please visit TalkingMopars.com, click on the Affiliates tab, and follow the link to their website. If you need protection for your Mopar, don't worry, we got you covered. All right, guys, it's been a while since we did Project Car of the Week, and I have a treat for you. Two Super Bs on two different ends of the spectrum, sort of. So I guess we can just get into these ads. Um, the first one is a 1968 Super B. So let's read this ad. Dodge Super B, $12,500, Omaha, Nebraska. 1968 Dodge Coronet Super B West Virginia car, original numbers matching 383 four-speed, tag still intact on transmission, rear end, and carburetor. Includes fender tag and build sheet, clean Nebraska title, needs complete restoration, does not run, but motor spins free, $12,500. Odometer reads 77000 It does have a clean title. Um, obviously, the odometer has rolled over. Uh, my first impressions of this car is that it's a screaming deal. Now, the first picture I'm looking at here is of the driver's side. And what I can tell you is the car is pretty straight. Normally, I see these things and the quarter panels are rusted out. And to be honest, a lot of them look like pure shit. <laughs> you know what I mean? They need a lot of work. This one appears to be in good shape and only needing a minimal amount of work. Um, I was really impressed looking at this thing. It's got the perfect sunburned patina on the roof, the trunk, and the hood. Um, it does have the bumblebee stripes. They are fading out, but you can still make out the super B, um, logo. It just looks badass. Um, the rocker panels, bottom of the fender, uh, and I guess, I guess the lower portion of the quarter panels are starting to rust out a little bit, but this thing, like I said, perfect ratty muscle car. Um, and it is complete. The logo on the back looks really cool on the bumblebee stripe. Cause like I said, it is fading out, but you can still see the B and you can still faintly read 
Super B. Um, it just looks really cool. It's got a, I'm looking at the build sheet right now and the thing is immaculate. You know, you can still see the springs, um, the impression of the springs on it and you know, the, the dirt associated with that or whatever. Um, but I mean, overall <laughs> compared to some of the build sheets I've seen, this one is in really good shape. It actually reminds me a lot of the build sheet that I got with my 72 Roadrunner. Um, really good shape. I would be more than happy with a build sheet that looked like this. Um, does have the fender tag. The grill looks to be intact and in pretty damn good shape. Um, you know, as far as ratty muscle cars go, this thing's got some dings and dents and a little bit of, a little bit of, you know, concerning rust, but uh, compared to some of the ones I've seen, this one is pretty solid. Um, the passenger side front fender does look a little bad, um, especially towards the door on the bottom. It's definitely rotting out. Um, so, I mean, if you really wanted to, you could restore this thing, no problem. But, uh, <laughs> well, you know, I shouldn't say that because as I'm sure a lot of you know, 68 fenders and quarter panels are, I believe, not being repopped, um, <laughs> which is unfortunate because they're very highly sought after. Um, so if you want quarter panels and fenders, I think you have to get a 69 B body, um, set and then, uh, make them work for the 68 with the round marker lights and whatnot, I think. Um, but I mean, for a ratty muscle car, this thing, this thing looks great. Um, you can definitely see that the passenger side got most of the sun. Um, the trunk lid, now that I'm looking at the back of it, does does appear to be rotted out but engine compartment looks complete not bad battery tray could probably use some work um, but everything seems to be there the interior it is a four-speed car interior seems to be all there from the pictures that i have um 12,500, uh this would be a good buy um of course <laughs> we got to chop them at the knees <laughs> let's try to get it for like eight grand um, highly doubt that's going to happen. 10 grand for a super B that's reasonably intact. You know, it could use some rust repair, but the motor spins. And if you're an optimist like me, if it spins, we can probably get it to run. Probably. Um, fun, ratty muscle car. I think, uh, 12,500, not a bad deal. Um, of course, like I said, you want to get it for cheaper, but original numbers matching 383 four speed car. And it does have the fender tag and build sheet along with the tags on the transmission rear end and carb. So that's cool. Um, you know, as far as needing a complete restoration, I guess I could see where the sellers, you know, say, why he's saying that. But at the same time, if you're one of those people that just wants a cool old muscle car with a cool name, <laughs> you know what I mean? This isn't just a standard Coronet. This is a Super B. So it's got that, you know, muscle car. Not that a Coronet doesn't have that muscle car feel, but the Super B just has a little bit, you know, a little bit more. Unless it's a Coronet RT, but uh, a standard Coronet, you know, doesn't doesn't raise the eyebrows quite like a Coronet RT or a Super B. So that's why I say this is a good a good vehicle to. Uh, it has potential. Let me say that twelve thousand five hundred, you know, closer to ten, <laughs> you know, hopefully on the low side would be uh, ideal. But I mean, for 12,500, let me put it to you this way. If I had $12,500 and I was looking at this car, of course, I'd try to get it for lower, but I don't think I'd have a problem spending $12,500 on this car because even though it's ratty, at least I can say, Hey, I got the fender tag build sheet and it's numbers matching. <laughs> you know what I mean? So that's my take on this one. We have another super B. This one is uh interesting and it is a long ad so bear with me folks the first picture makes this thing look like a daunting project it is a 1970 super b that looks blown apart no fenders no front end on this thing i mean it's a roller but you know no body panels dash is gone floor pans gone roof skins gone deck lids gone driver quarter panels gone the thing clearly has a bunch of rust issues but uh, that first picture threw me off because the ad, I, I guess let's read it. Rare, 1970 Super B four-speed, $26,900 in Magnolia, which is right outside of Houston. Um, let's read this ad. I will not respond to, is this still available, emails. If you're interested in this car, send me your telephone number and I'll call you. 
If you're not serious enough to desire an actual phone conversation with the seller, then you aren't interested enough for me to waste my time responding to an email. If the car was not still available, it would not still be on Craigslist. If you have been looking for a 1970 Dodge Super B project to build, look no further. There is not a better Super B project for sale on the planet than this one. This is where the story gets kind of cool. <laughs> I wonder how true it is. A little old lady who bought a 69 four-speed Super B new in 1969 and still has it, decided she wanted a Super B for every model year not long after buying her 69 and bought this 1970, a 68, and two 71s in the mid-70s. This car has sat behind her barn ever since, not moving once. Unfortunately, time took its toll and the poor car suffered severe rust out from the decades of neglect until I rescued it recently. I have posted pics in order of restoration starting with the day it went to the blaster after all the rust was cut out. This is one of 3,383 1970 Dodge Super B 4-speed cars produced and is originally plum crazy purple with white interior, white vinyl top, and white C-stripe. How many were originally purple with white accents, 4-speed, and the Ram Charger hood is impossible to say, but there is no doubt they are few and far between today. Lucky for you, the N96 Ram Charger Uber Rare, impossible to find if you don't have it, underhood, cold air box, that is in remarkable shape with only very minor damage and even still has its original cables is still with this car. As the pics indicate, all the hard work is done on this one. All the rust has been cut out, the skeleton blasted inside and out and top to bottom, and then after spending a few hours blowing out all the sand, sprayed in two coats of epoxy primer. The car was then treated to two new full rear frame rails, rear cross member, cross member extensions, full floors, front and rear, full under the rear seat pan, full one-piece trunk floor, trunk extensions, deck filler panel, rear of package tray, roof skin, and quarter skins. The floors and trunk were then seam sealed just like the factory did and then sprayed in two coats of the original FC7 Plum Crazy Purple. The backsides of both quarters were also sprayed in the FC7 Plum Crazy Purple, as was the entire underside of the car. The fenders and original hood were blasted along with the body and then sprayed in two coats of PPG Epoxy Primer. The doors are mint condition, still in original paint from a 1969 Roadrunner. There is no rust left anywhere on the car. The K-frame, all front suspension, rear end, and leaf springs were also blasted and have been sprayed in two coats of black epoxy primer. The rear end has actually been painted in the correct black. The body is ready for final bodywork, blocking, and paint. I have not spent any time attempting to line up fenders and doors yet. They seem to fit good already. They are simply bolted in place for transport. Final fender alignment would normally take place during final bodywork and blocking. The uber rare, impossible to find if you don't have it front valance, is original. Still in original paint and in remarkable condition without a single ding. The unavailable rear bumper looks like some hillbilly hooked a chain hook to it and yanked it, but should still straighten out if taken to a qualified bumper shop. The twin looped front bumpers are pretty straight. The car shows no evidence of ever being in any kind of accident. The firewall A-pillars, front frame rails, and really entire front half of the car is still all original. The 383 engine is a date code correct F code 1970 HP block with the correct for 1970, 295 casting intake and 906 heads and correct big block HP exhaust manifolds. Also has a correct 23 spline A833 four speed transmission with brand new pistol grip shifter. The rear end is the original eight and three quarter with unknown gear. I have most of the important parts needed to restore the car, but not everything. If you don't see it in the pics, I don't have it. Includes all glass but windshield. I cleaned, replaced any broke rollers, and re-greased the quarter glass tracks and regulators when I had the quarters off, so they roll up and down good now. Both door glasses operate properly, including the vent windows. All of the door hardware for both doors is present and operational. The hood latch and trunk latch are both functional for safe transport. In case anyone is wondering, no, the car does not run and you cannot drive it home. All the mechanicals on the car will need rebuilt, but the heavy lifting has been done. The interior is mostly present, but will obviously need restored. All four seat frames are usable. The rally gauges have had gauge faces restored, as has all the dash trim. The dash frame was also blasted, primed, and painted, as was the original four-speed pedal assembly. I cleaned and checked all the underdash wire harness plugs and connections and can say the wire harness is in good shape. Both front grills are perfect without a single crack. See the pick of fender tag for all the options, but this one is nicely appointed with the high-impact FC7 Plum Crazy Purple, 4-speed transmission, D21, with the iconic pistol grip, 
J25 three-speed wipers, J45 hood pins, N96 Ram charger hood, V1W white vinyl top, V6W white C-stripe rally gauges were standard on the Super B that year. It also came with power steering and manual drum brakes. If you have been looking for a 1970 Super B to build, you know how hard it is to find one, much less in this condition. I'm comfortable in saying there is not another one for sale anywhere that has had the kind of body restoration this one has. It is better than new. Don't let it get away. It will be a long time before you see another one like this. In today's market, this is a seventy dollars to $80,000 car correctly restored. If you don't agree with that or think the price is too high, then try and find one like it and call AMD Restoration Center and ask them to quote all the rust repair this car has had. It will be well over $25,000, and that doesn't include the cost of the car. Whew. Man, that was a tough one. <laughs> so... This car, like I said, when I first saw the picture, the thing was blown apart for $26,900. And I was I was blown away. I was like, my God, <laughs> that's a lot of money, but it is a cool car. And then as I started going through the pictures, I see, oh, okay, he blew it apart completely and uh, started the restoration on this thing. So he's got numerous pictures of it blown apart and having the metal work done, all the paint work done. And uh, the whole underside of the car is gorgeous. It's painted plum crazy purple. Um, looks super clean. This thing is on its way to being a very well done car. It's awesome that it's got the white bench seat with the tall pistol grip on it. I love the tall pistol grips. I think they're awesome. Um, but yeah, four speed car, plum crazy purple, you know, with the white vinyl top and white interior. Um, my buddy Mike Coffey had that 70 Coronet RT that was uh, sublime green with white interior and a white vinyl top. And I thought it was awesome. So this thing just is cool. Uh, it does have the 69 doors on it. That's kind of funny. Um, but yeah, this thing, I mean, it's got a lot of work done to it. It's reminiscent to me of the Roadrunner that I just got because a lot of the paint work has been done. Um, mine is a lot further along than this one, but um, this thing's got some cool options. Uh, the Ram Charger hood. I wish my car was an N96 option car, but um, $26,900. You know, you look at that price and you go, damn, that's a lot of money. But like this guy says in the ad, you know, if you were to buy all the metal you need, and let's say you couldn't do this yourself, you buy all the metal you need um, and you take it to, to a shop and, you know, chances are they would get the metal for you, tell you everything you need to replace and, you know, you're getting the cost of the parts, cost of the labor, um, you know, and good work is not cheap. So when he says, you know, $25,000 just to get the rust repair done, you know, that's not too far-fetched. Um, so, you know, my opinion on this thing, blown apart cars like this scare me a little bit. Which is funny because I just got one in a trade. <laughs> I traded my running and driving Mr. Norm Tribute truck for a project. However, all the body, metal, paint work, and engine work has been done. So I have a little bit of a leg up. It's mostly just assembly. This car still needs the exterior painted. And like he was saying in the ad, it all still needs to be fitted. And then all the little things that my car needs, this car needs as well. Um... My, uh, my car does have more parts with it, but, you know, in the grand scheme of things, you know, he says, you know, it's a rare car, which, you know, 70 Super B, four, or four speed car, you know, it is pretty rare. Um, you know, one of 3,383 built in 1970, but you can't really say, you know, as far as like the color options how many were available with with, the, with these color options. You know what I mean? With the white vinyl top, white interior, white C-stripe, and the FC7 paint. So how many of the 3,383 were made like this? You know, you can't really say. But it's like, you know, you break down that, that initial number. This car is one of 3,383 1970 Dodge Super B four-speed cars. When I think about my car... I go, my car is one of 329 72 Roadrunner four-speed 340 cars. So if, we're if you're going to say this car is rare, <laughs> you know, how rare is mine? 
But um, this is a really cool car. Um, if I had the money and the resources, it would be very tempting because it is a awesome. I almost cursed. <laughs> it's a really effing cool paint scheme um, or a color combination, I should say. Um, you know, purple with white. Yeah, it just looks good. Um, is it worth 26900 If I had an unlimited bank account, uh, it would be tempting for me to pick this one up. Um, but 26900 is out of a lot of guys' price range. You know what I mean? Um, it's definitely out of mine. If I didn't have something good enough to trade, you know, or what somebody thought was good enough to trade, I would have never got my 72 Roadrunner. So, you know, what that car would have been priced if, if, if it had been put up for sale, I can only imagine somewhere in the 20s, um, which is what I wanted for my truck. So I guess it worked out for me in the end. Um, you know, Pete, the guy who got my truck, very happy with it. So I, everybody was happy in the deal. Um, this situation, you're coming up with cash. I'm not, this guy doesn't seem like the type of guy that would trade. Uh, and this car is cool. I, I do believe this car deserves to be finished. So if you've got 26 grand laying around, <laughs> you know, he, he did say $25,000 if you were to call AMD and have them do all the rust repair and stuff. Um, I don't know how accurate that number is. I know it needs um, quite a bit of stuff. If you start nickel and diamond, <laughs> you know, you're going to get up there pretty quick. So would it be worth it to buy this car for 26,900? You know, he does say it's a 70 or $80,000 car correctly restored. You know, you buy it for 26,000, you know, is there $40,000 worth of work left on this thing? I don't know about that. I think this might be a good investment car if you're willing to put in the time and money and sit on it and enjoy it for a while. I do think you could potentially make some money on this car. It would just take a while. Now, the ad was so damn long. Okay, yeah, so it's not a numbers matching car either. So that kind of goes against it. That's what goes against my Roadrunner. I have the fender tag and the build sheet, but not the original engine or transmission. So that kind of goes against it. But uh, for the price, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and say this one is right in the ballpark. Um, for 20 grand, yeah sold all day 24 grand i mean you're getting a little bit higher there i still think it's worth it Twenty six thousand nine hundred. if i had a disposable income i would buy it and that was project cars of the week this week's high performance part I'm not sure if I've done this one or not. I know I have done a few music video cars. This one was really cool. I I vaguely remember this. Now, I don't know if I was talking about it on the show or if I was talking to somebody about it. It's very familiar. So I apologize if this one has been covered. And if it has, let me know. And if you have any suggestions for high performance parts, let me know. For those of you that are new to the show, High Performance Parts is a segment of the show where I briefly talk or mention um, a Mopar in a movie, a TV show, basically any Mopar on the big screen, um, movie, TV show, music video, commercial, things like that. Uh, I always get a little kick out of it when I see a Mopar on TV. I don't know, maybe it's just because I'm a hardcore Mopar guy, I'm not quite sure. But it is always fun when I see one because I'm like, oh, look, a, you know, whatever. <laughs> um, this Mopar that we're going to talk about today for high performance parts was in a music video by Audio Slave. Um, it's the video for Show Me How to Live. And it's a 1970 Dodge Challenger uh, RT car, white. And what they're doing in the video is they're basically um, kind of doing a tribute to vanishing point, <laughs> you know, the car looks like the vanishing point car. It's got the license plate. Um, pretty fun music video. If you got five minutes spare time and you enjoy audio slave, uh, might be a fun video to watch. Um, but yeah, who doesn't love a 70 challenger RT, you know, uh, whether this one's an original car, maybe they, you know, 
I'm assuming that they went out and found a vanishing point replica and they just borrowed it for the uh, music video. I highly doubt they built the car specifically for the music video, but you know, these are rock stars we're talking about. You never know. Um, but yeah, fun video. Uh, cool car. Looks great. Looks just like the vanishing point car. Um, and a cool ode to one of the best car chase movies of all time. And I know a lot of people just got triggered because you believe it's bullet. And, you know, while that is a cool chase scene, there's something about a Mopar just in the open road, just getting crazy high speeds and stuff that I like. Um, I don't even like San Francisco, so <laughs> sorry for all you San Franciscans. Um, I don't like that city very much. It reminds me too much of home, which is Seattle. And anyway, that's a whole different topic. Um, but yeah, so this week's high performance part is the 1970 white Challenger RT Vanishing Point tribute car clone seen in the music video for Audio Slaves Show Me How to Live. All right, my friends, it's time once again for listener stories. I caught this email today, um, so I figured, you know, we, we, we'll check it out. Um, I do have a couple voice messages. I've been getting spammy voice messages on my voicemail, which is bothering me because I don't really advertise it. So somehow along the way, um, I, I guess I do kind of advertise it sometimes, mostly to my audience, but... I'm sure they found a way to get my number. Anyway, I'm getting spammed with some BS. So I got to filter through all those messages um, and see what uh, what good listener stories we have. Until then, I'm going to go ahead and read this little email I got from a gentleman named Matt. Here is Matt's story. Hi, Chris. Thank you for your dedication to the Mopar hobby. No problem, Matt. My pleasure. I have enjoyed your podcast and live streams. I wish you were closer than 2,000 miles away since it would be fun to help turn some wrenches on your 72 Roadrunner project. Thanks, Matt. I appreciate that. I have had the good fortune to know many people with cool Mopars over the years and have had a few memorable ones myself. My first Mopar was a 1990 Dakota S with a 2.5 liter with a 5-speed stick that I drove in high school. I replaced the Dakota with a 1988 Sundance 2.2 with a 5-speed stick and sunroof and a 1994 Sundance 2.2 automatic that I drove in college. Upon graduation, I purchased a 1995 Neon Sport Coupe with a 2-liter twin-cam motor and a 5-speed. After working for a few years, I went through multiple Mopars, including a 1997 Dakota SLT short box regular cab two-wheel drive with a 5.2, a 1999 Dakota RT short box regular cab. I love those trucks. It was around this time that I purchased a 1972 318 Duster, and then I went through a turbo phase and bought a mint condition 1987 Shelby GLHS and replaced the Neon with a 1992 LeBaron GTC convertible with the 2.5 liter turbo and a 5-speed stick, supposedly one of 300. I enjoyed the LeBaron convertible enough that I purchased a second 1992 LeBaron GTC Coupe with a 3-liter and a 5-speed stick with less than 35,000 miles at the time. After I sold the Dakota RT, I went to the dark side for a few years after I purchased a 2000 Z28 6-speed and then sold it to purchase a 2003 Hemi Ram Sport regular cab short box two-wheel drive. Great decision, my friend. My long-term project around this time was a 1971 Plymouth Duster. That was an original rust-free California car that still had the original Bahama yellow paint in good condition and was quite loaded with a deluxe interior light package, AC white vinyl top, and a slant 6. I then went through multiple new Hemis, including a 2005 Hemi Magnum RT, 2005 Hemi Grand Cherokee, and a 2015 Challenger RT Classic that I sold to buy my current 392 Shaker Challenger. I thought you might appreciate the current Challenger that I bought earlier this year, which is a 2017 Challenger Mopar 2017 edition. Site with more info on the Mopar 2017 edition if you're not familiar with this model, www.mopar17registry.com. Chrysler built 160 Mopar 17 cars, 80 in contusion blue and 80 in silver. The modifications included the hood, shaker, roof, trunk being painted high gloss black with the entire car being cleared and buffed to a show quality finish. The cars also received custom seat covers with the Mopar M logo, Mopar strut tower braces, Hellcat black exhaust tips, and the Mopar headlight intake tube. 
The total cost of the Mopar 17 package was $13,995 on top of the cost of the 392 Scat Pack Shaker Challenger. According to the Mopar 17 registry and the build sheet provided by my dealer, my Challenger is confirmed to be coded as a Mopar 2017 Challenger. However, after it was built by Chrysler on 7617, it was not shipped to the Windsor plant where the Mopar 17 cars were finished, which also makes it one of the last Mopar 17s built. For some unknown reason, the Challenger sat for 10 months before it was sold by Chrysler at auto auction with 21 miles on it. I confirmed with the original selling dealer that they purchased it at auction at a significant discount versus the $61,000 window sticker. The original owner had it in storage for the last five years until I purchased it this spring with 600 miles on it. While I doubt the history will influence the value, it makes for an interesting backstory and likely a one-of-one -one vehicle. The Challenger is very similar as built to a 392 Scat Pack Shaker. However, it is missing all Scat Pack and RT badges, and the satellite antenna is painted high-gloss black versus body color. My plans for it is to keep it stock other than the Mr. Norm's pistol grip shifter that I added the day that I bought it and enjoy it during the summer as a weekend cruiser. Take care, and if you want to talk Mopar sometime with a guy in Michigan, give me a call. P.S. You also need to visit the Gilmore Car Museum for the Mopar show next summer. Matt. Hey, Matt. Thanks for sending in your story, dude. Uh, man, you've had a lot of Mopars. You had a little, you had a little slip up with the Z28 six-speed, but... You know, those, let's be honest, those are pretty fun cars for what they were at the time. So, you know, <laughs> you did get rid of it to get a 2003 Hemi Ram Sport regular cab short box two wheel drive, which I think is cool. And he also owned one of my favorite trucks of all time, which is the Dakota RT short box regular cab. Um, very cool cars. And then one of my favorite, one of my favorite, <laughs> one of my favorite um, front wheel drive turbo Mopars, the GLHS. Uh, very cool cars. I love those Shelby cars. Um, I was just asked by uh, my buddy Walter if I was going to do an episode on the Shelby cars anytime soon. And I've been wanting to do an episode on Carol Shelby's involvement with Chrysler for a while. So I think we need to get that one out of the way sooner rather than later. So we'll be getting to that soon. Um, as far as your car, that's cool, man. Uh, one of one, even for the new cars, those special ones are pretty cool. Uh, I, I have, I have zero qualms about the new Mopars. In my opinion, it's just really hard to be unique with those cars. Um, or it costs a lot of money, but there are some really badass factory Mopars that you can buy. And yours sounds like one of them. I think it's great that you got a Mr. Norm's pistol grip in it. That's really fun. Kind of a throwback to the high performance heritage of Mopars and Mr. Norm's Grand Spalding Dodge. Um, as you guys know, I'm a huge fan of Mr. Norm. Um, but yeah, man, uh, any Mopar that has some sort of rarity is cool. I know I've said some things in the past that are kind of controversial about how I feel about how some of these modern Mopars are being built. But at the end of the day, if you're a Mopar enthusiast, so am I, you know what I mean? And who am I to, you know, I, I just have an opinion. My opinion doesn't mean squat. You know what I mean? You build your car how you want to build it. And I'm not talking to you in particular, Matt. I'm just you know, saying what's on my mind. Um, but, uh, I, I have also seen some really cheesy modern Mopars like scat packs with giant Hellcat graphics, you know, things like that. That's the kind of shit that bothers me, but, um, a badass special edition challenger. That's awesome, dude. I think that's really cool. But I, I know that <laughs> there's some modern Mopar guys that don't like me because they think that I've, you know, talked shit <laughs> about modern Mopars and I love modern Mopars. I think they're great. You know, this is the latest era of muscle cars and the golden era. Um, my friend, Bud, we were talking today and he mentioned the golden era of horsepower and he's correct. This is the golden era of horsepower. We weren't alive for the golden era of muscle cars back in the sixties and seventies, but we're live for the second coming and the golden era of horsepower, which unfortunately is coming to an end. And I guess that's a perfect segue into uh, the final topics of the show. But Matt, thank you for sending in your story. Like I said, man, you got, you've had a lot of cool Mopars. Um, what's funny is you've had a couple Mopars that, you know, <laughs> in my childhood, I despised the Sundance. Now, the only reason why I hated my dad's Plymouth Sundance and he had an 88 four-door sedan with an automatic. 
is because the paint was so bad on it. It was so embarrassing to get dropped off at school because the paint would be flaking off and it looked like a bird took a thousand dumps on this thing. <laughs> it was so bad. The paint was peeling off so you, you could see the primer underneath and it was starting to rust. And I was just so embarrassed of that car. And looking back, I'm like, it was a Mopar. I should have been proud. <laughs> you know what I mean? But, um, nah, man, they're cool. I, now somebody's got a Shelby CSX. A lot of my front wheel drive turbo Mopar projects are waiting in the wings. So I'm going to have some fun with some front wheel drive turbo Mopars here in a little bit, but I've got a giant project ahead of me. So like I said, Matt, thank you for sending in your story. You've had a lot of cool, cool Mopars, um, especially the trucks, man. I I'm glad you got rid of the Z28 to get the Hemi truck when it came out. That's awesome. Um, and then now you cap it all off with a badass challenger. So good on you, Matt. Thank you for sending in your story. Thanks for listening and um, sharing your pictures. Uh, you sent some pictures of the car. Looks great, dude. I would have no problem with that in my garage. I'll tell you that right now. Um, but that was listener stories. Let's get into the main topic of the show. All right, guys, I'm going to be a little bit candid here. I actually recorded this episode on Monday night, but I didn't finish it because I wanted to see the second day of Dodge's big reveals and uh, during speed week. And man, do I have some feelings about this? My God. <laughs> day one was pretty cool. I mean, we've got a body and white challenger that you can get for $8,000. We've got a uh, full carbon fiber 70 charger body, not to mention they're going to be bringing back the CUDA and the Roadrunner in carbon fiber. Um, you know, the uh, full 750 certified drag pack that you can buy now uh, for less than 100000 Fully outfitted is over 100000 of course. Um, <laughs> day two. I am at... Oh, yeah, and they also talked about a convertible Challenger. Okay, fair enough. It wasn't a complete disaster and disappointment of a day. Not like today. As a Mopar enthusiast, I am... I, 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 this Amazon truck outside my window right now, I want to jump in that thing and tell them to drive it right into the water because I want to drown. Because this bastardization, that's the best word I can come up with, for this crossover ugly my god i <laughs> i'm still in shock i just got done watching the reveal of the hornet the hornet gt the hornet rt and brace yourselves for this one the hornet glh how dare you dodge <laughs> as a fan and i know many of you are fans of these cars too as a fan of the omni glh and you know, of course, we had the GLHS. Uh, I just—they called the thing the Hornet GLH. Okay, I don't care how fast it is. You don't bastardize the GLH name like that. <laughs> a crossover—they're saying this crossover SUV is part of the brotherhood of muscle. I have a big problem with that. <laughs> My God. Uh, I get they have to conform with the times and the government or whatever, but don't be throwing lipstick on a pig, okay? And trying to, <laughs> you know what I mean? And try to tell me what you think I want to hear, okay? They could have came out with this car and not even brought up the Brotherhood of Muscle. I still would have been pissed, but I wouldn't have been as pissed, okay? Um, I I think it is ugly as sin. That thing is ugly. I am not happy right now, folks. <laughs> uh, I hope you are as enraged as me because we got to witness the second coming of the golden era of muscle cars. And with history repeating itself, we are sitting here today witnessing the death 
of the second era of muscle cars. The Challenger and the Charger, the, cl- the clock is ticking. Time is running out. The hole's already dug. We're putting them in the casket right now and getting ready to lower the damn things into the ground. And they give us the Hornet. You've got to be shitting me. <laughs> you know, and I'm, I know I'm supposed to be, you know, I'm the Mopar podcast guy. I'm supposed to be Team Dodge. I, I'm not going to bullshit anybody. I think this was a disaster. You know, and I, I, I was watching the reveal and I'm hearing all the media, you know, cheering and shit. And I'm like, you've got to be shitting me. Are you guys out of your minds? <laughs> maybe I'm wrong. If I, maybe, maybe I'm too emotional about this. Maybe I love muscle cars too much. Maybe I love the muscle car era too much. But I am, I'm almost beyond words, which is tough for me as a podcaster to say. But, uh, man, yeah, I I just, (laughs) I'm sure you can hear it in my voice. I'm, I'm in disbelief right now. How are you going to have one day where you tell me you've got carbon fiber bodies for a 70 charger, a 70 roadrunner and a 70 or 71 Barracuda (laughs) or Cuda. And then the next day you're going to reveal a crossover that you're going to try to sell me as the new addition to the brotherhood of muscle. Get the fuck out of here. Dodge. (laughs) My God, Ah, man. So I guess that's it. And you know, I get it. I know there's going to be a lot of people going, well, you know, with the stuff coming down from the government, blah, blah, blah. You know, Dodge has to do what Dodge has to do. I get that part, okay? What I'm saying is they're trying to push us to believe that this car is so amazing and that it's a muscle car. Because guess what? They can't go back now. If you say a car is in the brotherhood of muscle, then you are trying to push it as a muscle car and that damn car is not a muscle car, okay? It is not a muscle car. I think anybody would agree with me that a neon SRT4 is not a muscle car. It's a cool sport compact car. Amazing. Never would it be lumped into the category of a muscle car. And yet here they come out with this Hornet, this crossover, ugly piece of shit. And they're going to say, hey, this is the newest addition to the Brotherhood of Muscle. Here's the GT, here's the RT, and here's the Direct Connection GLH. My God. (laughs) Man. They better have some last hoorahs up their sleeve for these next uh, reveals. You know what I mean? This e-muscle car, if if the Hornet is any indication of what they're going to show us, I'm already disappointed. You know what I mean? Um, And we're going to have... We're going to have a bigger discussion about this. I'm having a round table, probably Friday night, and I'm going to bring in some of my friends and we're going to talk about this catastrophe, (laughs) at least what I think is a catastrophe. Maybe my friends will talk me out of it. Maybe they'll talk me off of the ledge that I'm about to jump off. But my God, (laughs) what a disaster today was. I just can't believe how many people seem to be excited for it. I guess that's the, the media, bunch of cucks. (laughs) man I just I cannot get excited for that car if they hadn't brought in the whole brotherhood of muscle thing I would have been like all right there's a segment that they haven't touched on really and I guess it's the crossover SUV or whatever you want to call it so okay cool Dodge came out with one of those they want to sell some cars that they're in the business of selling cars but to try to treat me and other enthusiasts like we're morons. That's what I feel like. I feel like, you think I'm stupid? <laughs> You're trying to call that car a muscle car? A 1.3 liter turbocharged vehicle is now part of the Brotherhood of Muscle. I want you to think about that. And then they have, what what is it? <laughs> the, the push button, like extra power or whatever that he can't call nitrous because, hey, it's not nitrous. <laughs> um, the power shot. My God. 
the power shot. My God, I don't even know, folks. I don't even know. I man, oh, we might have to shut down talking Mopars. This <laughs> I don't know if I can associate myself with a brand that does that kind of shit. You know, what I mean, I think we've witnessed the death of what we love and what we hold dear. And I know a lot of old school guys are still anti-modern Mopar. I am not. I love the modern Mopars that are badass. I don't know. Maybe I'm overreacting. Maybe that's it. I'm overreacting. I don't think I am. I think that thing is an ugly piece of shit. I'm not impressed. I'm unhappy. You can't tell us one day that you're killing the Challenger and the Charger, which we already knew was coming. And then the next day, give us a crossover SUV and go, here's the Hornet. We're going to make a bunch of cool graphics and <laughs> you know, call it a Predator. My God. <laughs> yeah, the Hornet, you know, and I'm sure somebody's going to build a badass one and call it the murder Hornet. Hey, don't. I'm over it. But anyway, we're going to have a show about this on Friday. I'm sure my friends have got plenty to say. So my thoughts on what Dodge is doing the first day was okay. I was really happy to hear that they've teamed up with Speedcore and they're building carbon fiber muscle car bodies. I think that's amazing. I think that's great. An $8,000 body in white, brand new Challenger. Eight grand. That's amazing. A badass race car certified for 750s in the quarter mile that you can buy directly from the factory. That is fun. A convertible Challenger. Everybody's been asking for it. It's about time. That's pretty cool. Uh, not my style, but pretty cool. Then the next day you drop the Hornet on us. You know, I probably wouldn't be as pissed if they called it the Hornet SRT, but they called it the GLH. And what they're trying to do is they're trying to honey dick us into going, oh, it's like, oh, yeah, it's like the Omni GLH. You know, everybody talked shit about that thing because it was all unconventional and weird, but it became legendary. This Hornet will never be. I don't care how fat, how much faster it is. It will never be on the same level as an Omni GLH. Forget it, Dodge. Forget it. So that's all I'm going to say about this for now. I'm so pissed off right now. <laughs> I shouldn't even care. I got a badass 72 Roadrunner, which we should probably talk about right now. So my plan for the Roadrunner when I get it home, and the reason why it's not at home right now is because my van is in the way. So the van, after I'm done talking to you guys right here, I'm going downstairs. I'm going to slap the intake and the carb on this thing and uh, hopefully move it out of the garage. Um, it's still a project. I still got plenty of work to do on that. Um, but then I can bring the Roadrunner home. And my first goal with the Roadrunner, you are hearing it now. I'm going to fire that car up. Now, <laughs> all that it has right now is the engine and transmission dropped in it. I have to change the tail shaft on the four speed and I have to hook up the radiator, all the plumbing, all the wiring to the engine. Um, you know, and everything associated with that. And then hopefully we can fire this thing up. I need to hear it. So that's the first goal. Aside from cataloging all the parts. Oh, there goes my phone. People are already going, what the hell was that? <laughs> uh, <laughs> fucking Dodge. What are you doing to me? You're trying to kill me, Dodge. Um, but uh, I really need to catalog all the parts I have and inventory everything and see what else I'm going to need and start making a list and prioritizing my needs so that I can build this car in order. I don't want to have a bunch of parts laying around because I don't, one, I don't have the room. Two, I don't want to buy stuff I'll need down the road and not have money that, for stuff that I need now. So I'm trying to devise a plan for the Roadrunner. So far, we're, like I said, we're going to inventory the parts, make a list, make a, a battle plan uh, with the first and foremost thing on that battle plan being get it running. So that's it for this episode. Tune in this Friday night. We're going to be going live. It's going to be me and a bunch of my friends, hopefully a bunch of us. I'm not quite sure who's going to show up, but uh, it, it should be a good time. So tune in. Uh, I can't go live on Facebook. I can only go live on YouTube. So it's going to be a YouTube only show. Um, I will post it after on Facebook, but it will only be live on YouTube because... Apparently, you can't talk about 
cutting bumpers <laughs> on Facebook because you're inciting violence. So I've been restricted from going live <laughs> on Facebook because somebody asked me about the Mr. Norm bumper and I said, cut that sucker. <laughs> and, they, and they said inciting violence. So I'm banned from Facebook for a little bit, but that's okay. Or restricted, I should say. I can't go live and my posts are going to be thrown at the bottom of the stack. That's okay. We'll figure it out. So we'll be going live with a bunch of my friends on Friday night sometime after 7 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Okay. So be sure to tune in. Um, if you have an opinion on this matter and what's going on with Dodge, or you want to talk to me or any of the people that are going to join me on the show, I don't know exactly who's going to show up yet. So I'm going to refrain from saying, um, but we definitely have, uh, I can say for sure that Bud Kleppy, my friend from the Scat Pack Club, um, the Instagram account, is going to be on the show. Um, he's actually the one who suggested that we get on the horn and talk about this. So uh, I was totally on board. So we will uh, we will do a show. And Bud also represents Cartech Books. So I do want to say right now, shout out to Cartech Books. If you are into automotive literature, then Cartech Books probably has something that you could use. I have a bunch of them. They're great reference materials, and they're great if you just want to expand your knowledge on cars. Um, for me, it's Mopars, but uh, they also have some really good technical guidebooks. So go over to cartechbooks.com, check out what they have, and if you see something you like, order it up. All right? That's it for today, guys. Thanks for joining me, and we'll see you next time right here on Talking Mopars. There you have it, my friends. Another episode of Talking Mopars is in the books. For everything you need to know about this podcast or to listen and subscribe to the show, please visit TalkingMopars.com. And don't forget that you can send me your Mopar stories, questions, comments, complaints, suggestions, and everything else on your Mopar addicted mind to Chris at TalkingMopars.com or leave me a voice message on my voicemail box at 209-28-MOPAR to hear yourself on the show. If you want to help support the show, you can pick up some cool merchandise in the Talking Mopars merch shop. There you can order products like t-shirts, hoodies, stickers, mugs, and more. And you can find that at TalkingMopars.com in the merch shop. Another way to help support the show is by becoming a supporter on the Talking Mopars Facebook page. By becoming a supporter on Facebook, you will get access to exclusive bonus content and you will be entered into our monthly supporter giveaway where you will get a chance to win something fun related to Mopars. Special thanks to my friends over at DIY Hemi for their unwavering support of this podcast. If you are considering swapping a modern Hemi into your classic Mopar, go give my buddies at DIYHemi.com a shout and tell them I sent you. They'll be more than happy to help you out in their mission to Hemi swap the world. That's it, my friends. Until we talk again, I am your host, Chris Albrecht, and that was Talking Mopars. Thank you for listening to Talking Mopars, your direct connection to all things Mopar. Until next time, remember, no Mopar left behind.